You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, letting you know I will be screening my documentary, Hail Yourself America, all about my run for Brooklyn Borough President in March. I am so excited to see you all. March 9th, I'll be in Syracuse at the Funny Bone. March 10th, I'll be in Albany at the Funny Bone. March 11th, I will be in Manchester at the Funny Bone. March 15th in Orlando at the Improv Orlando. March 22nd in Columbus, Ohio at the Funny Bone. And March 29th, you guessed it, at the Funny Bone in Kansas City. So I am very excited to see you all there. Just search the internet. You'll be able to find tickets and we shall hang out. Okay, everyone, hail yourselves. Enjoy this episode. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Welcome to the show. This is Ben Kissel hanging out with Travis Morningstar. You know, I, I'm feeling good. Um, I'm feeling great, but I, I'd rather let Anthony Hopkins do all the, the heavy lifting here. All right. Ah, sweet mystery of life at last. <laughs> I found you. Have a nice day. You're going to be a star. That's how. What <laughs> in the hell is happening? <laughs> Good lord. All right. Well, that's a hell of a way to start that's, the episode. That, that's a shot of espresso. That is. Because we are doing this on a Sunday. It's a Sunday after Nevada. A, yeah. Ooh, how exciting that was. We're going to talk about the caucuses. Uh, the caucus that took place in Nevada. We'll also talk about the Democratic debate. It was a slobber knocker, as JR from AEW would say. Uh, Michael Bloomberg, he spent $400 million for that. To get beat up on stage by Elizabeth Warren and the rest of the Democrats, but specifically Elizabeth Warren, yeah. who, who used her powers for good, not focused on Bernie Sanders, but rather focused on a true, oh, I don't know. I'm yeah. just going to say um, I, I, he's not even quite evil enough to be a, ty a tyrant wannabe, Michael Bloomberg. Of course, Michael Bloomberg, former mayor of New York City. For those that don't know, we always talk about, or, or people often talk about, Donald Trump is never going to leave office. He's going to stay there forever, which is not going to happen. The, the Constitution's pretty strong on that, and I think the Secret Service will escort him out kicking and screaming if he would even propose such an idea of staying there for a third term, assuming at some point he would have a second term. But Michael Bloomberg actually did that. 
He actually got three terms as mayor of New York City. So uh, I have no love lost for that man, and I, I quite enjoyed the bloodbath yeah, that yeah. was the Democratic Blo- debate. Bloomberg entered the Tekken, and he, <laughs> he did. received... By the end of the debate, it he, they may as well have just replaced his whole podium with like just a Ouija crime scene photo. Because oh, poor guy. He did not come into the debate prepared. This guy, no. this guy thought... I don't know, did he think that, that all the candidates were going to treat him like one of his staffers like, did think, he think he was going to get deference i really believe that he doesn't understand at this point that no one treats him the way that they actually want to because everyone around him is being paid by him he is in a cocoon of power and wealth and for him to be exposed in a place where people were not just allowed to criticize him but were uh supposed to criticize him he probably hasn't been yelled at like that since he was 14 years old after peeking in his sister's window. I have no idea if he has a sister. I'm not calling him a peeping Tom, nor someone who loves sis. But I am just saying that I do not believe he has been around people that he has not been financing personally this for a long time. And this was what happens when the gloves come off. Yeah, he had a real fear and loathing in Las Vegas moment. I mean, he was ba- he was swatting away imaginary bats by the end of it. It was it was really it was the best debate of this entire sort of season of political stuff that's been happening. So the main question is, what does that debate translate to when it comes to results? And for Elizabeth Warren, we will break that down. How well did she do in Nevada? Big night for Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden saying it's a big night for Joe Biden. <laughs> and in the world of crap sandwiches that he's been eating, I suppose there was a little cheese on this one. Yeah. He did get a, he got a little bit of a savorier dish than he has been getting in previous caucuses and, and primaries. So Joe Biden, he's he's he, on the top you know, of the world. He found he found a Werther's Originals at the bottom of his coat pockets. And, yes, and I say good for him. <laughs> I say good for him. Mm, it's nice and warm. <laughs> I love it when it's body temperature. So we'll talk about the Nevada debates. Also, we have a new head of intelligence, Richard Grinnell. Yeah, it's really interesting. Richard Grinnell, obviously, there isn't a lot of experience for him to be head of intelligence. I've met him multiple times at Fox News. Uh, He was, interestingly enough, he worked for Mitt Romney, openly gay. He was part of the log cabin Republicans for a while. Uh, Openly gay guy, which was, you know, it's kind of unique in Republican politics, specifically in the Republican politics uh, that Richard Grinnell plays in. So he is now in charge of intelligence for the time being. How long will he be there who the hell knows? Does he have the experience? Definitely not. He has never worked uh, in intelligence before. Uh, he's the former U.S. ambassador to Germany. So we will talk a little bit about him as well. But let's talk first. Let's just do let's do the debate and then let's talk how that translated to the Nevada caucus. So obviously we have the big loser, right? That's that's the big B. Yeah, B, Mr. B done take a loss. Mr. B, Mr. Michael Bloomberg, 400 million bucks to stand on that stage for two hours. He, he went to fantasy. <laughs> he, he did his um, presidential cosplay candidacy, we, I think, is over before it really even began. It was the most gratuitous example of being fendomed I've ever seen. You paid $400 million to get screamed at 
by a woman on stage. It is possible that's a fetish of his. We don't know. A lot of powerful people like to have their balls stomped on to even it out. You know, you have to have a yin and yang in life. And if you're so powerful that you can say and do anything you want, call women horse-faced lesbians, tell funny jokes, according to Michael Bloomberg. I didn't realize that he was such a little... Henny Youngman behind the scenes because when he was called out for some sexist comments, uh, which of course, you know, Elizabeth Warren going to that well again, unlike Bernie Sanders, there seems to be a little bit more water in the well when it comes to Bloomberg's sexist pool. He didn't deny anything. He just said they were jokes. And when I think of Michael Bloomberg, I don't really (laughs) think of Mitch Hedberg. I don't really think of someone who's coming at you with the zingers. Maybe he needs to just leave the jokes to the professionals and just focus on finance. Yeah, I mean, he. have you seen that video of uh, of The Apprentice where he's running around New York City judging um, hot dogs from hot dog vendors with Trump? No, see, now this is something I would watch, though. This, this is pretty this is a pretty big deal. OK, so this this is a this is footage of The Apprentice. OK, s- starring our president, Donald Trump. Oh, and he's, yeah. He's going out on the street and he's judging the hot dog kiosks that have been. There's two different teams. One, okay. one involves Billy Baldwin. Oh, the other involves um, Gene Simmons. Oh, OK. Uh, but he is accompanied He's walking down the street. Trump is walking down the street with Bloomberg, and they are judging these hot dogs uh, being given out by... I would love to know the last time Bloomberg actually ate a New York street dog, but let's see this video. Let's see this video. Oh, God. Ladies, Mr. Trump is here. Be calm, cool, and professional. Great mayor. Oh, my God. Mayor Bloomberg and Donald Trump... Paid a visit. It was the highlight of this task. It's Omarosa. As the number one francophile in the city, I'm supposed to see whether you guys can cut the mustard. All right. Oh my, those are the jokes. Okay, <laughs> now he's eating the hot dog. Like, Very good. I can't tell whether these are better or worse than the one the men's are selling until I have a hot dog with the men. I can tell you this without seeing the men, you guys look better. Oh, it's men versus women. Oh. And that's Piers Morgan. <laughs> hey, how are you, sir? Very nice of you, gentlemen. Gene Simmons and his wonderful uh, hairpiece. Is, is this the best hot dog, or is the best hot dog sold by all of those gorgeous women at the last hot dog stand? He can barely contain his like non-charismatic horniness, too. And I'll bet he'll never reveal the answer. <laughs> And that's where you're the mayor in New York. There you go. What a superstar there. I mean, that's the charisma of Michael Bloomberg. If you get a chance to see it, it is at TonyBeast1957 on his Twitter. Yes. You can watch Michael Bloomberg attempt to consume hot dogs. I do think he did it uh, in a more human way than he pets a dog. Which is good. He did take a bite of the hot dog the proper way. He didn't go from the top down, which I could see him doing. Michael Bloomberg, that is, without a doubt, the only two bites of street dogs that he has ever had. Uh, he is not really oh, a man got, of the he, New York he people. He definitely got his stomach pumped after oh, this for footage. sure. <laughs> for sure. So Michael Bloomberg, the man is worth $63 billion. The $400 million that he has spent on the campaign, evidently he's already made back Yes, with his interest alone. Yes. He, so it's like he just he is a money printing machine. 
So for him, does it really matter that there, he spent four hundred million dollars? There's no, there's no, no skin off his nose to do it this this matter. big experiment. No, uh, but we just have to as. Whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, you just have to outright refuse this weird experimentation with uh, with our entire country's political process. You still got to ground and pound. You still have to hit the pavement, shake the hands, kiss the babies, if the babies want to be kissed. And you still have to go door to door and meet people face to face. Michael Bloomberg's attempt at financing his campaign by just living above the fray by not being out in the streets not talking to people well, that's once the- again it's proving that it just does not work of course we haven't had any votes yet for michael bloomberg he was not in the nevada caucus and he will not be campaigning or competing in south carolina either he's waiting until super tuesday where in his fantasy land the world will Thank him for gracing us with his presence and give him the crown to be the next president of the United States, or at least uh, the Democratic candidate for president of the United States. But I do not believe that will be happening. I mean, Bloomberg is such a unique case because he has the most money, which would if you if you were just a slightly more charismatic um, persuasive person, this might be like easy pickings for a billionaire. But seeing oh. seeing Bloomberg on stage, he is a waste of space. Like Trump did not that much space though. To I be know, fair. right? Like, but like he he is just like an inert, um, non persuasive. Well, this is why creep. This is why Tom Steyer thinks he's a very charming man because he's around other billionaires who think that Michael Bloomberg. Is kind of a cool guy. So Tom Steyer, he is, he's a Johnny Depp, 1990s Johnny Depp of billionaires. Yeah. He's a cool guy. I would, yeah, I would say so, yeah. Um, so I, as we're seeing, money doesn't necessarily uh, buy the presidency. But hopefully we see more of Bloomberg on these debate stages to counter the money that is because well, hey. when it comes to advertising he can create a narrative and he can push it on into your tv screens your phone screens on the radio waves but Memes. when you see him on stage and he is he is there's no uh there's no playpen for him uh he has to actually interact with people right um we're gonna find out that there's nothing there i mean it, everyone is saying whatever the, well, he's the, the wizard de- of oz uh and we're seeing that sort of come to fruition here with him actually having to speak and be a real person Unless the DNC changes the debate rules once again, uh, I think we can expect Michael Bloomberg to be on that stage. Unless, of course, after Super Tuesday, he's just totally demolished and uh, never shows his face in presidential politics again. Uh, you, You know, we talk about conflict of interest all the time. When it comes to Donald Trump, if you look at uh, the amount of money that the RNC has spent at places like Mar-a-Lago and Trump hotels, uh, it is roughly 600 times how much the RNC spent in all of the years previous at Trump hotels and at Mar-a-Lago. So the RNC is without a doubt spending a lot more money helping out Donald Trump's business. I believe they spent something like 300 plus million bucks, something like that. Before it was, you know, much, much lower than that. And that was all the years combined until Donald Trump started running for president. So the RNC, 
They're giving a lot of money to Donald Trump. We always have to question the emoluments clause. We always have to, uh, you know, question, like, is he benefiting from the presidency while he's in office? That is obviously not allowed. All of that is very good conversation and important for the country. Michael Bloomberg runs a media company. It is makes Donald Trump's hotels look like nothing. The fact that Michael Bloomberg has an entire media company, this is like Rupert Murdoch running for uh, uh, the presidency of Australia. This man has told the people that work for his media company to not criticize him. Yes. This entire campaign is totally corrupt from the start. The soul of the Bloomberg campaign is completely decrepit and immoral. The fact that he has already tried to alter the narrative on all of his media platforms, this man is... It is time for him to go. It's been fun. He's LARPing. This is nothing more than cosplay. This is not a real presidential run. And we saw that with his debate performance this past week. Not one point made. He didn't have any counter punches for any of the criticism. As a matter of fact, he seemed surprised that people didn't really love him. The whole thing I've never was like, <laughs> what happened? Did you do no debate prep whatsoever? He was booed. I've never seen... <laughs> <laughs> just for being him. He was booed. He didn't even say anything. <laughs> and it was just like, boo! Like, the American people were just so fed up with the super wealthy feeling entitled to everything that they want on a whim. This it's $63 billion, as we mentioned, the $400 million that he's spent so far is nothing more than a rounding error to him. And you hear these numbers, and you're living paycheck to paycheck. You know, your car just broke down. You hit a pothole in the road that's not been paved over, despite the, the fact you're paying a shitload of taxes. Life is frustrating. It's hard. And then you hear numbers, $400 million, $63 billion. And then you see the person that has the money and just it's it's offensive how bad he did. If he would have gone on stage fully prepared, this is my record. This is what I stand for. It would have been at least like, okay, this guy is this guy is he can reconcile. You can reconcile it. You're like, okay, he's got a lot of plans. He's got all this stuff. If Andrew Yang had four hundred million dollars. I think we might be looking at a President Andrew Yang. That's how much power that money can get you. But that power is nullified by the lack of charisma by Michael Bloomberg. Michael Bloomberg has negative $400 million worth of charisma. Yes, It equaled everything out to zero. That is how not charming that man is. And it's not just about charm. It's also about policies that he put forward specifically, and I'm sure everyone's already shouting this in their brains or in this car or in their car or at their office. Stop and frisk. What Bloomberg did with stop and frisk was he made Giuliani so proud. He made Giuliani so proud. Uh, It's stop and frisk, of course, began under Mayor Giuliani. To be fair to Mayor Giuliani, just a little bit. The city was different. It was a little bit. There was a lot more crime going on. It wasn't quite as safe as when Bloomberg took over. 
you can I, I I will never agree with stop and frisk, but there was a slightly more rational reason to propose the idea under Giuliani. And then, of course, as it was in practice, it was completely racist. Over 90 percent of the stops were of black and Hispanic people. Totally and utterly predatory and Bloomberg, completely out of line with doubled, the Constitution. He doubled down on it, too. When double down, triple down. It was a court ruling that basically said this is uh, we, we need to stop this. And he, yeah, it's, he, ra- it's he, racial profiling. He fought it. He fought it tooth and nail. He loved stop and frisk. He campaigned on stop and frisk. No matter what he says now, he can apologize all he wants to. Despite the fact he said he was not going to apologize, his entire campaign has been apologizing. Stop and frisk policy was absolutely horrible. And as we saw, when it comes to money, wealth, and corruption, Bloomberg is the weird, leathery, lizardy face of money, wealth, and corruption. If you look at Uber, I've mentioned this on this show before, the New York City Taxi Union fought Uber. They hated Uber. They did not want Uber in New York City, and thank God we have Uber in New York City because that's how the vast majority of us get around because taxis have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea how to drive, and I'm not even sure how any of them have licenses. Bloomberg wanted to stop Uber. Uber came into New York and were like, well, Mr. Bloomberg, we're going to let everyone know what your investment looks like into the taxi union. He had roughly $300 million invested in the taxi union. Uber was like, we're going to, we're going to expose it. We're going to let the world know that you only support the taxi union because you're monetarily benefiting off of them. So Bloomberg is like, all right, give me some time. A few months later, Bloomberg had shuffled all of his money over to Uber. And because of that, Uber was allowed to come into the city. So the man, all he does is line his own pockets and he uses his power to increase his wealth. And uh, I just do not think he relates to the American people whatsoever. Anyone who thought he was going to fill the moderate lane, anyone who thought he was an actual alternative to Joe Biden, was living in a fantasy land. Bloomberg never had it. Like everyone that was trying to project whatever image they wanted onto him, as the white knight that was going to come and save the... You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Day. I think they were able to do that because he didn't give a lot of live performances, live, obviously, yeah. debates, so people could assume the best. Yeah. 
And then obviously his, uh, now we his, have his album stuff was way better than his uh, than his acoustic live recordings. For yes, sure. he, he loved you, you love Modest Mouse and you went to go see them live and it turns out the lead singer was drunk, uh, which happens I, every I, now and you again. Know, I, I went to see Modest Mouse and he was not drunk. He was uh, robo tripping because he was sick. So, well, you know that happens. Th- so, but I, I, great performance either way from Modest Mouse. I love Modest Mouse. I um, love Modest but, Mouse. I mean, but I so, feel like that's why Bloomberg, that's why anyone had any hope in him whatsoever, because they didn't see how horrible he was. Well, so Bloomberg was the big loser of the debate, and then I would have to say that Bernie Sanders just like ultimately benefited and came out on top of the debate he didn't get the big headline which was warren murders a man in in reno but uh she shot a man in reno just to watch him die but bernie sanders the undeniable front runner came away from that completely unscathed because everyone was shitting on bloomberg which was amazing bernie sanders and a lot of people have also been saying joe biden basically anyone other than bloomberg won the debate and then yeah. Amy Klobuchar and and Pete Buttigieg, they have this funny little side scrap going. Yes. And I really don't know um, what happened in the green room. Maybe Buttigieg criticized one of her dresses or maybe Klobuchar. I don't know. Maybe, she, maybe he reminds her of one of her ex-boyfriends who she constantly brings up. But they do not seem to like each other very much. So they always have their little nullifying feud going on. And if I'm Buttigieg, I would just leave Amy Klobuchar alone because she doesn't seem to be doing that well when it comes to the actual vote count. Very limited yeah. in delegates. That was a weird, like, Why petty, bother? a petty use of important time to, like, basically call Klobuchar uninformed or something? Well, the reason that she was called uninformed was because she did not know the name of the Mexican president. And, of course, she is on the committee that deals with uh, the trade relations of the U.S. and Mexico. And, of course, we have the new trade deal with Canada, Mexico, and the United States. And she did not know the name of the Mexican president. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I didn't Google it, (laughs) you know. Um, But his name is Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador. Obrador. Um, So she did not know that. If you're Buttigieg, I do believe he does know that. He's oh, a no, very sure, smart guy. Sure, sure, sure. So he just criticized her for that, and she probably should have known. So it's not like, and then she's like, are you calling me dumb? And it's like, kind of, because you didn't know the name of the Mexican president. You're on the committee that deals with Mexico. You probably should know the president of the southern, uh, of the country on our southern border. It's just, I mean, politically, it's like, why is he punching down? You know, status-wise, he's punching down. And uh, it, huh? it it was a waste of time on his part because the real the real front-runner is Bernie and then the real other person that could go all the way to the convention with the money is Bloomberg. So it's just, it's weird to uh, to swipe at her about it, but uh, it was funny. I mean, it was yeah. funny to me. Yeah. Hey, that all, was, it was all funny. That was the thing with this debate. Great television, horrible for the American people. This probably is... Maybe the worst way to decide who should be the next commander in chief. But this is the system that we have. I don't know why uh, Klobuchar seems to think that if she can take out Buttigieg, she gets all of his votes. And if she can take out Biden, she gets all of his votes. And again, I think it's a flawed idea. There's no way of predicting 
if someone likes Joe Biden, it is extremely possible that their second choice is Bernie Sanders. You could say, well, how the hell is that even possible? Their policies are so different. Voters are very bizarre. Yeah, I mean, as they, we saw with um, the amount of Obama Trump districts. Yeah, the districts that voted for Obama, and we broke this down, whatever, two, three years ago, that went for Trump. So it was Obama to Trump, and we saw a lot of Romney, Hillary districts. People vote for different reasons, and there is no, there, there's no way to judge what someone's second vote is, unless, of course, we had that voting system. Yeah, people don't label themselves like that people don't consider themselves to be in the same brackets as like a 538 poll it's not that's not the way people think no they really don't people hear a common sense policy being um explained by a candidate they go okay that's my that's my uh candidate right but uh yeah there's if you're a biden supporter you could very well be a a bernie supporter you could be absolutely you could be a biden supporter because you supported obama and that is a, a huge base for biden is just that fact alone well and that's south carolina coming up here on the 29th of march that's gonna be his that's it that's his firewall state well and then yeah that's what he said he set the level there he thought that that was i mean bernie is like getting toe-to-toe with him there now in the polls uh so bernie sanders yeah and let's 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 move on a little bit to uh let's go on well i do want to say one thing about the debate of course um the very end of the debate we spoke about this uh before recording was Chuck Todd uh, asked all the candidates on stage. So it looks like because there are so many candidates um, polling voters in these different directions, it doesn't look like everyone is going to get the 50 percent, the majority of delegates. It's probably not going to happen, um, which would then take the Democratic convention into a brokered convention, a uh, contested convention where a second ballot or in probably a third ballot would have to come into effect right um and he said he asked the the candidates would the would a plurality of delegates meaning not a majority but the most votes right uh would that be sufficient for the democratic candidate to be the nominee and everyone on stage except for bernie sanders said no, we're going to go to that second ballot. We're not going to let the the number of votes for that first ballot be the determining factor for the nominee. And Bernie Sanders has said, of course, that should be the case. The person with the most votes should be the nominee. But so this is it's looking like the Democratic candidates, Klobuchar, Buttigieg, Biden, Warren, Bloomberg, they're counting on this sort of reshuffling of the deck by the second ballot at the Democratic convention, whether or not you know what bernie whatever looks like happens. whatever happens bernie looks like he's running away with it but they are there is this sort of backup plan for everyone on stage which is that second ballot at the democratic convention which is kind of it feels a little nefarious we will see how many of these people stick around after super tuesday i think the field is definitely going to whittle down quite a bit specifically for people like tom steyer amy klobuchar bloomberg who i i would predict that Two of those three people, at the very least, uh, will be done after Super Tuesday. Just just money-wise, somebody has to drop out, right? Like, it it has to... Well, obviously, Bloomberg can take this thing until the end. Steyer can take this thing until the end. Klobuchar definitely couldn't. Buttigieg definitely can't. I mean, they they have much more... Their their purse strings are much tighter. Uh, But let's move on a little bit to how this translated. How did the debate translate... Uh, to Nevada, as uh, Travis mentioned, the biggest winner probably was Bernie Sanders. He didn't get nearly as much attacks 
Uh, people didn't attack him nearly as much. He stayed on message because I don't think he can get off message. Yeah, I really think this is this is pillow talk for Sanders. This is like every like. There is no turning off his ability. Like, he well, just stays on track, he, and he can do it. Like even Bernie did a good job, even when attacking Bloomberg. Yes, to do it in the context yes. of income inequality, and, he folded and it into rich, his his actual campaign. Yeah. He really like he is <laughs> so on message. Yes, it, it's unbelievable. I don't think I've ever That's, seen a candidate more on message is, in my life. That is Bernie's like superpower, which it is, really is which is to bring everything back to what is important. Or important to the Bernie Sanders campaign. I agree. Um, you know, because the, a lot of what, I mean, it happened even in the debate. Ten minutes of the debate was talking about the quote-unquote Bernie bros online. The <laughs> Which, by the way, again, n- the Bernie bro thing, every woman I know supports Bernie Sanders. Yeah. They like him a hell of a lot more than I do. I, I And his, there are internet trolls everywhere. The Bernie bro thing... I, I just I feel like it's it's it, it's coded language, number one, um, and number two, it's like are they any different than Yang Gang or Elizabeth Warren fans or well this is what or happens Trumpers it's like I don't know the Bernie Bro thing I, do they really do I mean you're more connected to like Twitter for example yeah do they really go and dox people and attack people in the way that why did they talk about them for ten minutes we have we have so many things going on trillions of dollars in debt. Uh, you know, the Middle East is still in shambles. God knows what's going on with our infrastructure. Why are they talking about them for 10 minutes? Well, here's why. It's because Bernie Sanders, like you mentioned, has been extremely consistent and he's only on on uh, on topic and on on uh, on message. There's never any kind of like wavering from this. He's he's been saying the same thing since the 70s. Like, yes, he really he, has. He's just saying like we need a fairer society, and he really does have like an unassailable history. And so it, it's very easy for people to say, okay, well we can't attack Bernie Sanders. Let's attack his supporters. Let's or let's go after uh, the one weakness that he has, which is maybe some overzealous Twitter users, which is not real. Like, this is not the real world. This is not... Uh, it, what I will say about the Twitter, the left Twitter, is that they are good at calling out bullshit. And that is the that is the, that is them doxing, I guess. But they're they're good at saying no. This does not actually. This is not the reality of the situation. They'll call out media myths and and misinformation and stuff. But as far as doxing and stuff goes, I I personally don't see that stuff online. But I'm then sure again, I'm I, everyone is fairly nice to me, so I'm sure know. they're super freaking annoying. Welcome oh, sure. to the Twitter club. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I just it's constantly annoying. Even Twitter is one of those things where even if I agree with someone's tweet, I'm like, well, you still came across like an asshole. But I do agree. We need lead out of schools. We need lead paint out of every school. I agree. But you do come across like a condescending uh, prick. But again, that does not matter to our national interest. If you want to go after Bernie Sanders, you can talk about certain things when it comes to private insurance, for example. A lot of unions have said uh, they're they're concerned with with uh, Bernie Sanders Medicare for all, with health insurance for all, because they're concerned that we have 180 million people who currently get health insurance from their employer. What's going to happen with them? Of course, unions fought very hard to get health insurance for their union members. Right. So there are things that have to be discussed and those are up for debate. Those things are let's let's have that conversation. 
do we need more of a single payer plan? Does it have to work? I believe the government and and um, the private sector should work together when it comes to uh, insurance. I have no problem with putting caps on medicine, with not allowing these insurance companies to rely on supply and demand because it's just not it's not applicable when it comes to human lives and when it comes to human health. I don't believe we need to have that kind of marketplace for insurance. Those conversations can be had. Instead, we wasted 10 minutes on Bernie bros and Bernie Sanders just has to, it, it it's really, the, it's just so aggravating. The questions that these so-called intellectuals have Chuck Todd, who looks like he's wearing pubes on his face, the questions that they ask and honey, those bangs, those, those bangs, <laughs> but the questions that the panelists ask, man, you, you not to be conspiratorial, but it does seem as if they don't want to get to substance. They don't want to get to any kind of actual conversation about what any of these people would actually do. They want to stick with the superficial and whatever is going on and, and on Twitter. Plainly wrong, too, because this yeah. the Bernie bro connotation is a straight white male is the supporter, right? That, Wait, that's the that's the coded language. And we. Yes. We've we know that that is false. We well, know as a that matter of fact, uh, Travis brought up South Carolina. So um, South Carolina, Bernie Sanders is actually now over fifty percent support with the Hispanic vote. The black vote is coming in more favorable for Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden still has the majority of black support in South Carolina, but as we saw in twenty sixteen with Obama not on the ticket, as we've mentioned before, black support was cut in half. Uh, 50% showed up compared to who showed up in 2008 and 2012 for Obama. So when we talk about, oh, Biden has all this black support, uh, he the, the voter turnout is going to be much lower. Absolutely. I um, mean, uh, And that just is what it is. The thing is, Bernie is tapping into a new electorate, you know, of... of, of a Which is coalition. ironic, but now because it's now it's kind of an old electorate, right? Because we we sort of got him in 2016, and now this electorate has had time to mature and kind of gain more steam and things like that. Yeah, I mean, but he he took a huge share of uh, just in Nevada at 60 percent reported results. He has like 70 percent of the uh, Latino vote. He's doing and great. he's doing amazingly yes. with Latinos under the age of like twenty. Like it's it's a it's a an entirely new electorate that is now in voting age, that is seeing uh, that is hearing Bernie Sanders speak, and they're coming out to vote. Like they, it, yeah, it, you, and of course, if you think about communities that have been in the crosshairs of this current administration, look no further than Hispanics uh, and Latinos. They are motivated because they've seen how powerful the president. See can be if uh, if that power is aimed in their direction in a nefarious way. I mean, for me, this looks like so Iowa and New Hampshire, very white states. Right. I mean, obviously not entirely, but Nevada does represent a new type of diverse state in which to to have a litmus test for the for the Democratic candidates. Right? It's yes. a very. I mean, it's a, it's a heavily Latino population, and so the fact that Bernie Sanders is getting. 46% of the vote amongst all these candidates that's wild and that is a yeah. that represents the type of diversity that is going to come out for Bernie Sanders in at Super Tuesday and beyond so let's talk about Nevada here are the results uh, this is with 60% reporting but we can assume with 60% reporting that this is a this is going to hold uh, this is sort of past critical mass um, 
So right now, Amy Klobuchar, and of course, Joe Biden, when uh, Travis Morningstar, he mentioned (laughs) Iowa and New Hampshire. Joe Biden's entire pitch in Nevada was that Iowa and New Hampshire aren't real America. He's like, this is real America. And I'm like, Joe, you still, if you would win the nomination, you still got to win Iowa and New Hampshire. But nonetheless, Amy Klobuchar, she came in with four point. Actually, let's start at the very bottom. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard. (laughs) Tulsi's still in it. Okay. And you know, I, all of this uh, Russian agent stuff, all of that stuff is nonsense. And by the way, all of this Russia is interfering with our election stuff once again. Russia is the, like the least of our concerns yeah, I, when it comes. The DNC is messing with our <laughs> elections in Iowa more than the, the Russians don't have to do anything. It's the newfangled apps. That's, it's the that's, newfangled that's what's apps. That's getting us. And the Russian war, it's still a meme. <laughs> Whatever. The Russian just. I'm done. I'm, I'm done with so the Russian. done with the Russian narrative, and it's all on mainstream media it was, now. I mean, it's like, it's got so it. Thank funny you. because right before the Nevada caucus, that's when we hear the Bernie Sanders like oh, Russian stuff. Yeah, Bernie. Yeah, because now Bernie Sanders is i can't it's trump or bernie sanders being helped by the russians i can't decide uh when you watch msnbc god knows they certainly say both are look up any like candidate from the past 20 years and you'll see at least a couple articles about how the russians want them to be you know like to be the one it's it's just it's just a tactic that comes that just comes around every cycle so i do not believe that Tulsi Gabbard is a Russian agent, but she's also not going to be the next president, and I'm not sure why she's still in the race. She got 0.1%, which makes me feel proud. When I ran for Brooklyn Borough president, I got 1.8%, so hey, I'm doing better than Tulsi. I'll take it. Um, So she got 0.1%, which I don't even know. Maybe that's 50 people? I don't know. Tom Steyer, oh, what does the billionaire get after spending all of that money trying to impeach Donald Trump? Of course, that's how he came to fame, was the impeach Donald Trump campaign. That's right, yeah. Uh, He had a few million people sign up, and he was like, this is how I'm going to be president. Does not look like it's going to happen. He got 4.1% in Nevada, and now we're going to get into, which... Is he the biggest loser? Yeah, he's a big loser, but he's not really taken seriously enough even to be a big loser. The next name, I think, is the biggest loser in Nevada, and that is Amy Klobuchar. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Coming in at 4.8%, people think she did a fine job in the debates as of recent. Again, a lot of moderates just looking looking for any pigeon to put their hat on. 
which has evidently happened in Nevada with pigeons wearing <laughs> oh, Make yeah. America Great Again hats. That's right. Uh, which is unfortunate. Don't politicize pigeons. Don't disenfranchise those voters, the pigeons. Don't. And also, apparently, you're not supposed to put hats on them because they glue them on and then the pigeons die. But it is cute. Remember that when we talked about the cowboy hats? Yeah, but... But it's bad for the pigeons. So don't put hats on pigeons. And don't politicize pigeons. Put something else on, uh, like, pajamas. Ooh. Pigeon pajamas. Those are, those won't, you don't have to glue them. You can just pop them in there like onesies. I love that idea. Amy Klobuchar at 4.8%. Everyone wanting her to fill the Democratic moderate lane. It does not seem to be resonating. And as the states go forth here that we have going forward, like South Carolina, like the states we're going to be seeing on Super Tuesday, Iowa and New Hampshire, those were the states for Amy Klobuchar. Sure. A very homogenous, uh, obviously not Midwest and New Hampshire's case, um, but, you know, homogenous in states that a Minnesota senator with the ilk of Amy Klobuchar should theoretically do well in. Yeah. Now we're going to get to states that, as Travis mentioned, don't look like the Midwest or don't look like the Northeast. Now we're going to be getting into diverse electorates where Amy Klobuchar is going to have a much more difficult time. She needed to get a lot of momentum in those early states. And of course, we're still in the early states, but she needed to pick up more momentum to carry her through states like Nevada. And she just was not able to do it. So I think she is the biggest loser uh, when it comes to Nevada as the fringe frontrunner candidates go. Well, and also let me reiterate, you know, Iowa, New Hampshire, Sanders had a you what, neck and neck thing with Buttigieg in Iowa, uh, a, a heavily white state. And then in New Hampshire, he, you know, according to the, the news, eked out a win uh, just barely. But then when he got to Nevada, where it was diverse, he handily wins. He destroys. And so once you have when you go to states that are diverse, Bernie Sanders is proving to be a juggernaut well we've seen that certainly here so who was the other big loser elizabeth warren coming in at 10.1 percent of the vote in nevada following her powerful performance when it comes to the last debate with bloomberg she was the sledgehammer she says she did her job and she did her job very well taking down michael bloomberg and i salute Warren for that. But did it translate to much vote? No, it did not. 10.1% of the vote going to Elizabeth Warren. If you're the Warren campaign, they've been stumbling. It's been a campaign in quicksand for about a month and a half, maybe two months now. They tried the Hail Mary with Bernie Sanders. I think inevitably that really hurt her campaign. Progressives kind of turned their back on her and decided to just go all in on Bernie Sanders. She's doing anything she can to try to get a foothold back in this campaign. She had a great chance. She had a great debate, and I think she had, in her mind, a great chance of exceeding expectations in Nevada, but she just did not do it. 10.1% in Nevada. Pete Buttigieg, this guy, not a loser, not a winner. He's breaking even. Pete Buttigieg, 15.3%. I don't think he planned on doing great in Nevada. He was kind of saying second or third he would be happy with, and that's exactly what he got was third. So Pete Buttigieg, not the biggest loser, not the biggest winner, not going to drop out, still going forward. But again, 
as we've been talking about, Nevada is representative of the states coming up here in the very near future, much more diverse, much more black, many more blacks, many more Latinos. Can Buttigieg get the support from blacks and Latinos? I think it's going to be very difficult given his record as mayor of South Bend. There were some policing issues going on. The black community doesn't really trust uh, Mayor Pete. And that stuff resonates. So I I don't believe he's going to be able to do very well with those communities. I think he got 2% of the black vote in Nevada. 2%. So Buttigieg, is this going to be representative of the states going forward? Very possible. Very possible that this is, he did well, came out of the gate strong. But as we've seen in the past, Iowa and New Hampshire are always not great indicators on who will end up getting the nomination. This guy, I'm going to say, is actually a winner. That's Joe Biden coming in at 19.6%. For Joe Biden, this was the best performance he's had yet. Yeah. But again, it is like 19.6% in a state where he was talking so much yeah. about how everyone yeah. he's he's every single brown and black person loves them. That's yep. what he was that's what he's selling. That's what he's been saying 19.6% coming out for Joe Biden. And then of course, without a doubt, the biggest victory in the political life of Bernie Sanders. This is the biggest yes. win in Bernie Sanders' entire Life, 46% for Bernie Sanders in Nevada. You could not be more happy. He damn near got over, he was over 50% for much of the night. Yeah. Uh, So if you're Bernie Sanders, you're going into South Carolina on a super high. Uh, you, you, You know now that you truly do have support of uh of the working class of the unions of um latinos i think the black vote is starting to come his way mm-hmm. i mean some of the support that he has within the black community are or names that not, are not necessarily mainstream names uh, obviously we hear about like killer mike and and certain people but the black community on a ground level has been supporting bernie sanders uh, for a little while yeah. now. They've been well, hearing it, his economic policies that he always sticks with, and I think it's resonated. This is literally a historic win for Sanders because before 2020, no presidential candidate in the history of competitive primaries, Democrat or Republican, has ever won the popular vote in Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada. This has never happened before. So Bernie Sanders won the popular vote in Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada, and that is literally um, unprecedented. It's amazing. And let's go with the delegate count before we move on is what do we got, Travis? So Bernie Sanders. So 74 delegates have been declared. OK. Bernie and they San- need, what is it? 1991. That You need 1991 delegates to win the nomination as a majority. OK. Uh, so Bernie is sitting at 31. Buttigieg has got 22. Warren's got eight. Klobuchar at seven. And Biden at six. All right. So even in the delegate count, it looks good for Bernie Sanders right now. Buttigieg nipping at his heels just a little bit. But I mean, and the former dream <laughs> candidate, Joe Biden, coming in. <laughs> yes. At six. Yes. Uh, I mean, but the, I really don't. I really don't think. Uh, non-white voters are coming out for Buttigieg and I think that he's, no, he's it doesn't not, look that he's way he's not gonna he's not gonna get high up there all right February 29th that is the, the next big primary South Carolina if Bernie Sanders is able to come away with a victory there which it looks 
likely that he will. Again, we want to keep expectations. Or if you're Bernie Sanders, you want to kind of keep expectations low. Yes. You never want because uh, over-expectation is the the kiss of death yes. for presidential campaigns. Uh, so you want to keep expectations low. But if you're basing this on what happened in Nevada, you've got to be happy if you're Bernie Sanders. I mean, it looks... <laughs> I'm optimistic, and it looks like... I'm optimistic for Bernie that this is sort of now a race against can he get a majority or a plurality? Because if it's a majority, he's the nominee. If it's a plurality, then we go into another universe of weird bickering and squabbling. Ooh, uh, bickering and squabbling. At the Democratic Convention. My favorite two searches on Pornhub, bickering and squabbling. But if this is going to be, if Nevada is going to be anything like the following, you know, if the following states are anything like Nevada, rather, it's it's going to be a runaway for for Bernie. So we will continue to follow that. All right, let's move on a little bit here. Uh, Donald Trump, he has decided to replace his top intelligence chief with a dude. The, the former dude's name was Joseph McGuire, and he has been replaced with Richard Grinnell. Some people are upset about this because Grinnell does not have national intelligence uh, experience. And again, as we're seeing with the JFK, great JFK series we're doing right now for last podcast on the left, I don't give a flying crap about these intelligence services. <laughs> I don't care about the CIA, the FBI. They're all horrible. Just because Trump doesn't like them doesn't make them good. How can't? Wh- how about they're all just horrible? Can that be the case? Because I think it is. But this is what Adam Schiff had to say about Grinnell. He said, we count on the intelligence community to inform Congress of any threat to foreign interference in our elections. So as we were talking about before, uh, this is them sort of, again, planting the seeds that the Russians are going to elect uh, Donald Trump, which, uh, you know, whatever. Um, He goes on to say, if reports are true and the president is interfering with that, he is again jeopardizing our efforts to stop foreign meddling exactly as we warned he would do. So, There you go. A lot of people say he's just going to be a puppet for Trump, and those people are probably correct. This is Nancy Pelosi. This is what she had to say. She said, it would be like sending me in for brain surgery to do surgery on somebody. What? Just doesn't know the territory. And it's very important territory. So what what the president did is dangerous. Richard Grinnell, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to be there that long. I think you're kind of, it's a, it's important. It's an important position. I don't think, I mean, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just being, am I just being like wore out? I mean, I'm just wore out of the whole Russia. I don't, I just don't think they're really doing it. No, I mean, I don't care what they're doing. Just the, the biggest concerns to me are our voting machines entirely. The way that we vote, the way we count the vote. We have so many more issues in this country that are screwing with our elections than the Russians sending over memes on all of our parents' Facebook pages. No, I don't. I think it's. I think it's overblown. You know, and the the the, the coronavirus of political scandal. The type of like weird media distortion that we do to our, ourselves is is way more uh, damaging and confusing than any. And yeah, sure, maybe Russia said. Maybe they're just like, sure, we'll lean into this. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're trying to mess with the election some more. And then media news outlets just run with it, and it becomes bigger than it actually is. And Putin is happier than a pig in crap right yeah. now. He, he's he's the most powerful he's ever been. 
And it's because our media gives him all the power. He did not elect Donald Trump. If you look at what happened, I mean, hell, Roger Stone was doing the same damn thing. Yeah. When it comes to pitting people against each other, it's not a new idea. And of course, Roger Stone, we didn't even get to all of that. Um, He's been sentenced to three years, which I think is a fine amount of time. That seems to be what people wanted in the first place. The only reason that he was facing nine years was because they expanded the sentence. They heightened the sentence a little bit because he was uh, supposedly interfering with witnesses. One guy's last name is literally Credico. And uh, (laughs) I don't think that really held water because... He threatened to kill his dog, but then it was just a joke amongst idiots. Yeah, Roger and, Stone uh, apparently uh, threatens to kill that guy every now and again. Yeah, it's just so weird. New York politics are just full of people who are like, I'm going to kill you. It's It really is like uncut gems where it's yeah. just like they're all in the family and they see each other at Thanksgiving. It's almost like Wiley e. Coyote and the Roadrunner clocking out of work, going having a couple of beers, and at 8 a.m. the next day attempting to kill each other all over again. So Roger Stone with the three-year sentence, I think that's appropriate. Uh, Uh, The nine years was too much. He was going to die in prison. I mean, hell, the guy's in his 70s anyway. Three years for Roger Stone doing pull-ups with a Richard Nixon tattoo in a federal penitentiary. It's not going to be good. Although I believe that Donald Trump is going to pardon him uh, sooner than later, just as Donald Trump uh, commuted the sentence of uh, Rob Blagojevich. And I want to talk about this next week, actually, on criminal justice reform, because this is one area where... I'm I'm a little conflicted. I don't mind the blog of Blagovich Blagojevich Blagojevich Blagojevich. I don't really care. He served ten years in prison. He was uh he was in there for selling a Senate seat. If you know anything about Chicago politics, that's pretty much par for the course. I think he pissed off the wrong people, and uh, because of that, he got thrown in the clink. He uh, still got great hair. It's now gray. And I, I don't know. Ten years is probably enough. I don't really give a crap. He's not. He was. He was immediate. As I predicted, uh, I believe I was talking to Marcus about it. He was immediately on CNN, MSNBC. Blago is gonna get a show. He's yeah. gonna get a midnight show. Like literally, that's just how this stuff works at this point. Um, there is no shame in this world, and he's just going to become a television personality and a go-to voice uh, when it comes to uh, politics in this country so absolutely um all right well just lastly i want to talk about this story uh and i I, it's very interesting so white supremacist extremists in new jersey uh they are officially a larger threat than isis this is true um so the new jersey office of homeland security and preparedness or the so easy to say njo HSP just rolls off the tongue. They increased the threat level of white supremacist extremists from moderate to high. Uh, In this Hill article, they call them white supremacist extremists. I don't know if there's any white supremacist moderates out there. It seems like you don't need to add the word extremists after the words white supremacist. I think we kind of know they're extremists. It's kind of baked into the term. But the change comes amid increased rates of crime linked to white supremacist groups such as a New Jersey man who would, who allegedly conspired with members of a neo-Nazi network to vandalize synagogues in the Midwest. Leave these people alone. Leave everyone alone. Good Lord, how hard is it to do? <laughs> so this is what the report read. They said, the threat from white supremacist extremists is also high due to the number of threats, plots, and attacks 
in 2019. In 2020, white supremacist extremists are likely to cite accelerationism as a motivation for future violent acts and recruitment efforts promoting extremist ideology continue throughout the state uh, the report gave anarchists anti-government black separatists militia and sovereign citizen extremists a moderate threat threat level it gave islamic terror groups such as al-qaeda uh, boko haram hamas hezbollah and isis a low threat level though the report said that isis's inspiration of, of supporters in the u.s quote makes homegrown violent extremists a consistently high threat so there you go New Jersey, white supremacists, extremists are more dangerous than ISIS. If you look at the history, that is completely accurate. And uh, it's something that we have to confront in this country, be very serious about. The growing threat of white supremacy, uh, extremists, I mean, we have, to, we have got to uh, confront them. And, uh, and we've got to win that battle because we cannot let those people control the narrative of our country and uh, intimidate and uh, you know make this make this nation less safe because this is a country of immigrants and a nation where everyone should feel welcome and i have officially come to this conclusion travis you'll be proud of me yes if you see someone wearing a neo-nazi armband you can punch them go for it and <sighs> see isn't that i'm at this bold because I understand you gotta you gotta punch them if you can, if you want to, but you don't. I've never said that before. But if you see someone who's an obvious neo-Nazi, uh, I don't know. Feel if, free. You got to do it for the country because these people got too much power now. There is a uh, a Vox article about accelerationism, by the way. Yeah, what is? Can you explain that a little bit? So, I mean, according to this article, it uh, rests on the idea that Western governments are irreparably corrupt, and as a result, the That's best true. thing white supremacists can do is accelerate their demise by sowing chaos and creating political tension. Accelerationist ideas have been cited in mass shooters manifestos, uh, explicitly in the case of the New Zealand killer, and are frequently referenced in white supremacist web forums and chat rooms. Um, so uh, basically, we're all going to hell. So let's just create more chaos uh, to speed that process up. It's amazing how people truly want chaos to be the outcome. It's 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 unbelievable. Much like the Joker. Yes, but there's I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff about this philosophy, and it's it's definitely worth a, a read. So uh, go to Vox and and look for the uh, acceleration. Uh, accelerationism the obscure idea inspiring white supremacist killers around the world is the article everyone needs to be inspired isn't that nice um all right everyone thank you all so much for listening we will be back uh this week thank you so much for, apologies for the slight delay we just wanted to get uh the nevada results in but we will be back again uh next week or this week i guess and we are very excited also i'm excited to see you all on the road i will be uh debuting or screening rather uh, hail yourself america so check that out all the dates will it be it seems like you're going to every funny bone in the country hey man is that, is that what know, i'm hearing there's so many funny bones <laughs> i yeah I, I snickers is next and then giggles and uh i think cuckolds yeah you're cuckolds going to, comedy club going is going to, to be cuckolds. big you're going yeah yeah, yeah, no, yeah i'm not going to criticize the great people for allowing me to go in i don't i'm not a big comedy club guy but I'm very excited to show the screening for you and show the documentary because it's going to be cool. Um, so, yes. So check out the dates. 
and I'm excited to see you all. All right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.